Station 
Three preseason it's games. It's so much better. You know? It's just so much better. And honestly, we'll be even better off when we get down to two, which eventually that'll happen. They'll take that last preseason week and turn it into an extra regular season week in exchange for, you know, another game check for players, another regular season game check for players. They'll be receptive to that. I promise they will be. As long as in the next CBA you can work out some sort of increase in the guaranteed money scale. You know, but that's a conversation for another time. Uh, let's start off. You know, pretty much with what we saw right out of the gate. Brock Purdy played. We had heard before game time that he was on the field taking part in warm-ups. And, man, for a guy that tore his UCL and 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 nearly avoided Tommy John surgery in the playoffs, Brock Purdy looked damn good, man. He, he went out there in that first drive and absolutely carved up Denver's defense. Now, they stepped up. They bowed their back a little bit. Goal line stand there and held them to three. I don't know if San Francisco goes for it there on fourth and two in the regular season, but that's besides the point. It's a win to get three, especially after getting gashed on the drive like they did. But I want to get into Russell. We'll, we'll swing back around to the defense. But I want to get into what we saw to Russell. He only got one series. He only played, what, 12, 14 snaps? Something I think it was about 12, actually. He ends up with it was a 13-play drive. Three uh, of six for 24 yards, three carries, and 25 yards. They did end up with a field goal. Hallelujah, I guess, compared to last week. (laughs) Listen, again, you know, you you saw what you need to see. It it was frustrating that they couldn't walk away punching that ball into the end zone because, again, it was a sustained drive. And for all intents and purposes, you know, you you were checking all the boxes, right? You were converting your third down, staying on the field, making plays with your legs and and, and even – Javante Williams looked good on the first drive, so so it was frustrating for them not to not to score that. But obviously, that's all Sean Payton needed to see out of Russell Wilson to not put him on the field for another drive or even another three more drives like last week. So, well, I think there's a reason that he saw all that he needed to see, and that's because Russ was still seeing way too much pressure, a lot of bailing out of the pocket, but a lot of it was was actually. Better decision-making, quicker reads, tucking and running. You know, we had talked about how do you make this offense more suitable for Russell Wilson uh, throughout the offseason, right? What what is Sean Payton going to do? Well, we saw it last night. Quicker throws, simpler reads, the design not as complicated, but effective. And and we'll get into Sean Payton and his influence here, which I don't know about you, but I'm really excited for what the Sean Payton offense is going to look like come the regular season. I think we've seen some nice flashes of it so far. Do you believe that pulling Russell and only – and Sean Payton after the game said that the intention heading in was only to get Russ 15 snaps and then to get Stidham some run with that first team. Do you believe that? I do. Okay. I absolutely do. And being – coming out the practice week that he came off of, Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was probably a, a, a little bit of influence on that decision. And Stidham, you really need to find out what you what you have in him. I don't know if you believe this to be true, but I feel like Danucci is putting a little heat on Stidham. We can get into that. We can get into that and coming that up a little bit later. why you, you give Stidham a chance, right? Because Maybe. you paid him $10 million, right? Maybe based upon the week one performance where Danucci definitely looked like the better player, I thought. I thought there was no doubt in Arizona. Now, last night, I'm not exactly sure. But in Arizona, I would agree with you that Ben DiNucci looked better. And so maybe that was the thinking behind it. Although, I tend to lean towards the thinking was, oh boy, 
Russ is on the run here, you know, three carries, 25 yards. Now, look, he, he granted, he looked good when he was running. It looked much better than it did last year. Clearly, he's quicker. You know, his acceleration is better. His agility is better. But he lost some weight. So it does make him a little bit more susceptible to taking some of those hits. And in preseason especially, those are the times when, as a quarterback, just slide. Just get down. I mean, you already you already proved your point. You already got the first down. There's no need to pick up a few extra yards in preseason if somebody's bearing down on you. And that's what we saw in the third carry where they actually ran a quarterback power. It was the first designed run we'd seen for Russell Wilson. I don't know if you caught that with a lead blocker there, which that was a little ballsy to call in the preseason, I thought. I, I did catch that. And, you know, the interesting part was Troutman was the lead blocker on that. Mm-hmm. And, and so Troutman, from an athletic skill set, you're just seeing this, this onion continue to be peeled back. You know, it can, can, He can be a lead blocker out on the edge, which means he can block in space. Uh, he can be attached. He can catch balls out of the backfield. So uh, th- that's really just been a delight for the last week. But, yeah, it was one of those deals where you're protecting Russell from himself. Right. Because the competitiveness, it, it's, it's automatic. It's yeah, triggers. you can't ask him not to play that hard. Hey, Russ, why don't you tone it down? He, that's it's not, not him. in him. No, it's let's not just him. take you out. Look, save it for the season at this stage. And that's the thing, right? At the end of that third carry, he takes that late-ish hit out of bounds where it was very similar to the play that he tore his lat against the Raiders last year. I don't know if you remember. He was also scrambling to his left, and this was the quarterback power left. He makes it towards the sidelines, kind of get, kind of gets knocked late, went down. And I thought maybe he got a little dinged up on that one. He was kind of grabbing his thumb on the sideline. But he gets taken out of the game, which was a surprise because, as you mentioned, we saw a lot of Javante Williams. But uh, to wrap up on Peyton, I, I think you're right. Um there was a little intentionality behind getting Stidham so many snaps. In fact, offensively, Stidham led the Broncos in snaps last night. It makes sense. And, and listen, you know, up until about halftime, you know, he, he, he was on fire. He started off 5-5. Five five. Um, and the Broncos did well under, under what they were asked to do. So I, I think Stidham deserves the opportunity to prove that he's the number two. And I think competition in the room is good. Yeah. Well, they certainly have that for the second quarterback spot. But last night, the quarterback hierarchy looked the way it should, I thought. I thought Russell was clearly their better, their best option last night. And in camp, there were days when, I don't know, it was a little negligible, right? It was kind of, you know, the same across the board. What, it was a toss-up between the two. I thought so. Yeah. Well, even between the three, it was like, at the, the first week of camp, it's like, I don't know who the best player is. You'd like it to be Russ, but Stidham and Danucci looked just about as good as Russ, but maybe it was because they were just an install. And, and maybe that, and, and how it speaks to the progression of things, too, right? Week after week, day after day, are you stacking these things? Is Russell becoming more comfortable right. and now starting to set himself apart from the other two? So Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think that's really what it is. It's that Russ just didn't play well in the first week of training camp. But the good news is that you're seeing the progressions throughout. And if this is the last we see of Russell Wilson in the preseason, which it most likely is, he's probably not going to play next week, at least we assume, do you feel better about where Russell Wilson is at on August the 20th than you did August the 1st? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, and, and just, again, him being more comfortable him being able to get pulled from this game early after moving the ball successfully, converting, I believe, what was two third downs there. Uh, and that was one of the markers I was looking for because of the five first downs uh, that were, were converted last week on third down, 
None of them were by the first-team offense. They were 5 of 14 last week. And so I really had my eye on that. So for them to come out in that first drive and, and move the ball like they did, that's all you needed to see. Yeah, he got that one-third down with the scramble for 17 yards and then the third and one where they used Michael Burton, the fullback. There you so, go. yeah, at least yeah. he—but they were able to move the football. There you go. You know, and they didn't go three and out. And that was one thing we spoke about in the pregame show yesterday. I want to see this team start faster. What What's going to be the difference between the Arizona and the San Francisco game? Well, you know, showing up to play would help, right? They, they were a little bit nervous in that in that first game there. But they, they shook it off and certainly showed the progression, like you mentioned, from week to week. You brought up Javante Williams. We'll get back to Russ here coming up a little bit. Javante was only supposed to get about 10 snaps, right? Only supposed to get about four carries, maybe a catch for Sean Payton. First play of the game, play action, little, you know, what is that? A little, you know, play action dump off to the running back there? It was a screenplay. Right, is that a screen? Set up, yeah, yeah. And, and they started off with play action, and, and, and it's kind of double action there. Sure. Um, and Javante dropped it. But they got the yips, man. Well. You had the yips. It's, a, you know. A little nervous, you I know, understand. some, some I'm not, anxiety I'm not there. knocking the kid, but, you know, you you got to think of the situation that he's in. You know, He's coming back off an injury. It's his first play back, and uh, puts the ball on the ground. But kudos to Sean Payton for, again, first touch is going to you, man. The screen was set up, too. It was set up, yeah. I'll sure. tell you what, the screen game this year, it's going to be fun to watch because we've seen some tight end screens be very effective as well. I can't wait to see the full bevy of what Sean Payton has planned. And a lot of people may judge the offense based upon what we've seen through two weeks. But, guys, we've seen like 10% of what he wants to do. Maybe not even, Kyle. I was trying to put a percentage on it last night. How much do you think we've seen of what Sean Payton really wants to do? Like 5%, 10%, maybe 15 tops? Yeah, you you might be a little higher than that. But um, I, I think when you watch what happens from trans, from practice to what you're seeing on the field in these two preseason games, you can see that there's something that he's trying to work out. Right. Those reduced formations. You saw a lot of that in practice. The jet sweeps are trying. to. So there's opportunities he's providing for players. So some of that is being worked out. So, no, you're not seeing the full complement of things, mm-hmm. but you are seeing him trying to find out who is who in terms of weapons in the offense. Javante ends up with 13 snaps last night. He had five targets. He ends up with four catches. And after the drop, he responds immediately a pass to the outside, right? He's making his way up the sideline. Russ can't find an option. He goes back to the outside, finds Javante, who has to come back to the ball and made a nice catch there. Now, look. And this is the reason why I say you you may have seen more of what he has planned than you think because Javante Williams lined up out wide on that play, right? And Burton has done that as well. And that's not conventional thinking in terms of fullbacks and halfbacks lining up on the sideline. So there's he's tooling. At least maybe not in the NFL as much. It's prevalent in college, though. You'll, you, you maybe not fullbacks, but you'll see half, you'll see running backs. It's just getting there. kids thinking, right? You know, the un, unconventional formations. So Javante after the game was asked if he feels 100%. And he said, yeah, I feel 100%. I didn't think it was hyperbolic. And one of the warnings that I gave out yesterday on our pregame show was saying, look, temper your expectations around Javante Williams. Now, in my opinion, I thought the Javante that we saw last night looked significantly better than the Javante, at least athletically, than that we've seen in camp. And I think part of it was adrenaline. Just being back out in the field, right? He talked about it, and I believe he told Troy Rank this summer at a at one of those football camps. You know, Troy asked him, "Are you still going to be that bruising running back?" He said, "Look, I don't know any other way." And it was clear last night, and it was a really encouraging sign. 
even though he did play more than we anticipated, and certainly I was going, okay, do, are we sure? Are we sure we need to be, you know, putting Javante in this position? But Javante said it was really important to him because he thought it was going to hurt when he got that first tackle, right? He thought that he wanted to see what it was like to plant on the knee and to take a hit, and he said it was it was great. It was like a big sigh of relief and a weight off of his shoulders. Yeah, and, and you get the nerves out of the way right out the gate, and and, and you saw that, but. Listen, I'm right along with him, and I'm excited about it because you talk about him being that bruising style running back, and you saw it out of P. Ryan last night too. So Mm -hmm. that one-two punch, you get a face full of those two guys for two and a half quarters, then you start to see those gains start to pile up. So, uh, you know, the light is green for me. Green means go. Right. It's, it's go time for Javante Williams. Super exciting. They rushed the ball really effectively last night. I was impressed by that. And that was one thing that we all anticipated heading into the season. And at least we were all told, Kyle, this is going to be a rushing offense. Look at the moves they made. Bringing in McGlinchey and Power. Sean Payton's going to run the ball. We know for Russell Wilson to be effective, you have to support him with an efficient and effective running game itself. The Broncos rushed last night for 165 yards. Out gained San Francisco, 165 to 99. Yeah, you got to keep leaning into that. And and I kind of pushed Orlando the other day on that, thinking that especially early on, you're going to have to lean into what Powers and McGlinchey do well until they can figure some of those things out in the pass game and, and protection-wise. Um, he pushed back a little bit, but I'm like, man, Watching Powers from week to week, and last night wasn't that encouraging. Buddy, we're, we're getting into that offensive yeah, line here. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so yeah, what we're talking about in terms of a, a running attack, I think you got to lean hard into that, especially in those first two weeks. Speaking of a running attack, the number one thing that Broncos country was asking for out of week two of the preseason was to see Jaleel McLaughlin get a real look, and we saw it last night. And that young man earned a spot in the 53 last night. I am quite confident in saying that. One of the other things that you and I discussed yesterday was, look, if Jaleel McLaughlin wants to separate himself and earn a roster spot, you may have to do more than just being a good runner, right? You have to prove that you can hold up in pass protection. Maybe can we can we find some sort of role for him on special teams? Well, last night, they certainly did. Now, he hasn't been taking a ton of reps at kick return in practice, and certainly his first crack at it last night was a misread on a on a on a new kick this year. We're going to see that that style of kind of, you know, that the dying quail kick. How how do you want to call that? The one that just kind of just peters out and you got to come up and catch it. I think dying quail is very eloquent. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what it is. It's like oh. what you're seeing is special team coaches trying to buy back eight or nine yards, right? They're trying to buy back a first down from the offense because they can just take the free 25, right? Yeah. And, and, and so you're getting creative and seeing if you can get that ball down to the 18 and, and extend the field for the offense, and those things matter. Yeah, and you're almost reading where the kick returner is lined up. Are you in the back of the end zone or your feet? You know, Where would you tell your kick returner to stand? Heels on the goal line? Middle I'd, of the end zone? I'd, I'd like about six or seven because you can you can retreat to the one. Right, right, but six. But what you saw last night is a ball come down somewhere. What was it? Was it like the? It feels 16, like the thirteen, yeah, fifteen, somewhere yeah. in there, right? And so when you have to run forward on the ball, you get exactly what you saw last night: is that ball bouncing off your pads and, and you sure. get a lot of mishandles. So I, I, I he avoided disaster. Yeah, yeah he avoided he disaster, and then he bounced back. We always talk about how do you respond to mistakes. Well, that was a pretty damn good response with a 44-yard kick return. Explosive plays, man. The Broncos were desperate for them last year. They don't have a ton of home run hitters, 
but that young man certainly is one. And on the ground last night, seven carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown for McLaughlin. He did also catch two balls and had a touchdown through the air there off the special teams mistake from San Francisco in the second half. But you want to talk about a guy who had almost 100 all-purpose yards, right? You know, two touchdowns. I just, I really believe that the Broncos found themselves their their third back last night. He checks all the boxes, man. I, I love what I'm seeing from the backs, the versatility, how Sean Payton, again, can line them up out wide. I, I think he's going to have a lot of fun being creative and trying to put defenses in, in what we call conflict. Sure, sure. And, and I think it's, I look, Kyle, the Broncos are going to need good stories this year if they want to truly accomplish maybe what their biggest goal is because they don't have pro bowlers at every position. In fact, a lot of these guys haven't really consistently gotten to the level where they're reliable for you. Now, they've had to be because you just don't have many other options, but if you can start to have some of these wrinkles in a Sean Payton offense where you're giving him weapons, right, and he can use McLaughlin in a package, that's that's the the type of stuff you want to see. Does he qualify as an anonymous donor? It's kind of like, well, damn, where did this money come from? Where, where did this well, contribution? Found gold. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something that you weren't counting on, but you're very happy to have. We'll get back to the rest of the offense here coming up, and I just feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that it just looks so much better, right? This looks like a competent NFL offense. The play design is smarter. The strategy is better already through two weeks of the preseason, and, and I'm not being you know, drinking the Kool-Aid or being biased here, it just looks like a a real operation this time around. I think it's okay to drink the Kool-Aid. Is that Kool-Aid drinking? It's okay. Yeah, I'm asking, is that Kool-Aid? Me, t- me telling you that it's a smoother operation this time around, or is that just using my eyes and reporting what my eyes are telling me? Um, uh, no, I, I think that you're excited, right? And, I again, I think it's okay because you're buying into the culture and the operation that is Sean Payton, and it's okay to do that. You don't you don't have to justify that. Don't go, don't rub your neck. It's it's okay, man. Well, I'm trying to think if I articulated myself properly because I think what I'm most and excited is a good word because where the Broncos were in the basement last year, they just didn't have any creativity offensively, Kyle. They never changed anything, but what you're seeing is what you brought up earlier, progressions, whether it's week-to-week, practice-to-practice, or even drive-to-drive sometimes, but we're also seeing some creative stuff. We're seeing a much better use of this tight end room, right? Like, even Troutman and even Nate Adkins. How about undrafted free agent, you know, rookie out of South Carolina, Nate Adkins? By the way, I think he's got a pretty good chance to make the team based upon what we saw last night. I do. As an H-back, fullback type of backup to Michael Burton there, I would not be surprised. In a Sean Payton offense, he loves those dudes. He does. I mean, is there anyone in the tight end room that's really making a case more than he is? How many tight ends are you going to keep? Four? Well, if you keep him, it's four. But then he's got to be a guy that runs down on punt. He's got to be a guy that runs down on kickoff. Does he seem like a guy that would be able to do that? Uh, listen, man, being considering where you come from, just saying. I'm willing to do whatever, Coach. Just saying. All right. Defensively, I want to take a look at a few things here. Uh, Sertan played. Caden Stearns played. DJ Jones played. Even though we said, well, how much preseason football does DJ really need? He ended up playing last night, and he played a healthy amount of snaps. Nick Benito was back from that injury. He suffered against Arizona last week, and so was Josie Jewell. Any surprises there? Sertan was a little bit of a surprise. DJ Jones is a huge surprise to me. 
I asked the question uh, when we opened up yesterday, how much more Zach Allen do we need to see? Uh, Frank Clark, as much as he played, that that was a little little bit of a surprise. Um, Josie Jewell, you, you know, I, when I was reading, it was questionable for week one, and he's out there in preseason game two. So I, I think this is a player-driven movement on some fronts, especially mm. with the DJ Jones deal and Frank Clark. You think there's player-driven things happening under Sean Payton I right think, now? I think, Coach, I, I need to get some burn. I, I, I want to lather up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I believe it's far more Sean Payton. That's why we saw, you think Frank Clark was clamoring to play into the fourth quarter last night? Well, what do you need to see out of him? Clearly more. Nah. Why was he no. out there? He was out there. No, I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're, he's putting, I don't think Vance Joseph is putting him out there. Who put him out there? I think Frank Clark put oh, himself get, out there. No, give me a break. I, I, I don't, I don't agree with you. Here's well, what, what, here's what, what I say it, about What Clark. is it that you need to see? What is it that you feel like Vance Joseph hasn't seen? Maybe conditioning. Frank Clark has missed a lot of practices. And so maybe if you're looking at a guy that you would hope could play a significant role for you, who's not going to play next week. Right. And the other thing is he had a big wrap on his hand and his wrist. I didn't realize that he had that. And so maybe there was a, an element to it that was conditioning. I mean, those guys are going to have to play deep into the fourth. They're going to play a lot of snaps this year, Kyle. Clark and Gregory. Maybe there was part of that. I was surprised at the second half snaps for Randy Gregory more than I was Frank Clark. Frank Clark we just haven't seen much of. I don't mind him playing as much as I did Randy Gregory in the in the second half. Because this pass rush goes as Gregory goes. If he gets hurt, you're screwed. Yeah, I, I just think the risk-reward for having those guys out there, uh, I don't think you do that if you're Vance Joseph, particularly with 30-year-old-plus players. But I'm right? saying maybe it wasn't Vance. Maybe it was Sean. I, I don't know. I, I think we can agree to just. So you think Frank was like, no, 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 keep Marquise Haynes on the sideline. I need some run here in the fourth quarter of this preseason game against. No, you know. I don't think that's the conversation. Is I think it's, Coach, I've got some things I'm working on. And I want to get out there, and I want to test them out. Did you see Frank Clark's comments afterwards? What did he say? Uh, I don't believe that that is the case. He's, he was asked about if this was the latest he's played into a preseason game in how long, and he said, uh, you're going to have to ask Coach that one. Uh, that was not me. He did not seem very happy with his role in the fourth quarter. But again, like I said, maybe they felt like, I don't know, you brought this guy late into camp, you gave him a fully guaranteed $5.4 million contract, he hasn't practiced a lot, maybe... Maybe it was a situation like we saw with Gregory, where the Broncos didn't quite know where Frank Clark's status was at health-wise, and maybe some things came up after getting him into camp that you said, ah, well, okay, well, you weren't maybe necessarily 100% honest with us. And that would be the implication for me that I'm having trouble with, because you're saying that you're not sure on Frank Clark, if that's the case. I think that was pretty clear. Man. This is coming and, and that, from you, and by that the way. would be a cause of, for concern for me. Right. If you're telling me you brought Frank Clark in because you're concerned with your pass rush and now you're playing him late in the preseason game because you're not sure about him. That's a problem. Welcome to the party, pal. All right. We got tons more to get into here, as well as the rest of that pass rush, which looked very good uh, last night. We'll dive back into the defense a little bit, as well as this offensive line. That was much maligned after week one. What did we see? Did they improve? We encourage your Conversation on the RamosLaw.com text line 303-713-1043. More with Matt and Kyle on the other side. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Band presents Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. Oh, 
Matt Smith and Kyle Reese on your Sunday morning on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. Thank you for tuning in. Join in on the RamosLaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. We want your take on last night's game and any questions that you might have for Kyle or I. Before we went to break, we were talking about the defense a little bit, and Frank Clark, Randy Gregory playing deep into the second half. At least Gregory got second-half snaps. He was out there for the third quarter. Frank Clark was actually on the field when Henningsen tipped the ball and Garcia picked it off, which was impressive impressive in and of itself, and I want to get into those guys too. But in general, I was very impressed by the defense's ability to shake off the fact that they got absolutely you know carved like a Thanksgiving turkey to start that first drive and then bowed their backs a little bit at the uh, in the red area. They did. Uh, who was that that got home? That was Cooper. Yep. On a second and goal there. Yes, sir. L- look, it, it was a little bit surprising to see. And I think there was a little adrenaline from Brock Purdy and, and Debo Samuel came out. I think Brandon Ayuk had a catch on that drive oh, as yeah, well. Yeah. And so, you know, they had, you know, close to their full complement of guys out there getting after it. And so there was a little bit of a statement to be made on the 49ers' behalf, and they did that. Um, but, yeah, being able to hold them to three in that particular situation, uh, I, I don't know if you chalk that up as a win, but, uh, you, you know, it it helped to not just get all the way, roll down all the way through to, to the end zone and have that type of momentum. You probably see the defense. You probably see Pat Sertan play a little bit more uh, if that is the case indeed. So I uh, I was happy that they were able to come away with a three-point Again, uh, field I, goal there. I don't know if San Francisco goes for it on fourth and two. In the regular season, I think they would rather than get the kicker out there who's a rookie that they drafted in the third round to get a little bit more work and maybe rep the field goal unit. I, it's Kyle Shanahan. I'm guessing he's going for it there on fourth and two. They maybe not. All the momentum. They, exactly. Yeah. Did you think they weren't going to get it? Yeah, right? no that was kind of my – I was like, oh, boy, well, drive's not over because they're going, oh, oh, okay. Well, I guess that's a win for the Broncos defense. But either way, they did their job there. And if you combine what they've done throughout the preseason so far, the first-team defense has only allowed three points. They held Arizona scoreless in the first half last week, and San Francisco only got three on the board in the first half last night. That's that's pretty impressive. 30,000-foot view, it actually looks pretty good, especially considering the fact that one of our biggest questions about this team on the whole heading into training camp and preseason was the pass rush. And Jonathan Cooper... Got to give him a major, major shout-out. An awesome story. He was dealing with that heart condition coming out. That's why he slipped a little bit in the draft out of Ohio State. And throughout training camp, there was an opportunity with Baron Browning sidelined because he got you know hurt running the sand dunes with Hell's Trainer or whatever that guy's name is this summer. Jonathan Cooper stepped up and took full advantage and has firmly earned the starting spot opposite of Randy Gregory. Look, the Ohio State guys have panned out, and I think you're going to be talking about maybe even this year, definitely next year, two of the biggest steals, right, in terms of uh, front seven guys in, in the last 10 years. On that first drive, it was impressive to me to see how sharp Brock Purdy was, considering that was his first game action since tearing the UCL. That that's He's the real deal, man. And moreover, moreover, I understand some frustration from Broncos fans when you look at what San Francisco is able to do on offense on one drive with a quarterback coming off of major elbow surgery. 
right? And then look at what Russell Wilson is able to do, where it feels like, yeah, okay, it's getting better, but man, they're got they have to scrap, and they are fighting for yardage already in the pre. Nothing's coming easy. Whereas the misdirection that Kyle Shanahan was using in San Francisco's offense, it just looked a little effortless. I, I think you you saw the outlook of the two franchises on display. Right. The Niners are a team that if all goes well and Brock Purdy stays healthy, they're going to find themselves close to the NFC championship game again. Right. And you think about what they acquired on that defensive front. They're primed for that. Mm-hmm. And I think the Broncos if are the, the ceiling is the playoffs. Two, two ships sailing in two different directions. Right. We'll get into the kicking because that's a huge storyline. It was one of the biggest storylines heading into last night. But I want to talk about the offensive line. Garrett Bowles was under fire this week and throughout the start of training camp for the fact his career. Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) But specifically for, you know, how much it looks like he's still struggling to come back from that fractured leg injury. I thought he was a little bit better last night. I did. As far as the conversation about whether or not you're going to cut Garrett Bowles, there's a deeper conversation to be had there, and maybe that's for after next week, right? Maybe that's for the Sunday that the Broncos are going to be idle while the Buffs play on Saturday, which... We're coming up, and we'll get to the buffs here in just a little bit. But I think that's a spring conversation. I don't know if it is yeah. because the money that you could save with Garrett Bowles, first of all, well, I don't want to get into it because we're going to get totally sidetracked, but it just depends upon what what you think Russell Wilson's going to end up being here. Ben Powers paid a lot of money for him. It has not looked very good early. Not at all. Yeah, that was... Um that was Cushion Powers on that shovel pass. Yeah. The Niners ran kind of a, a inside game on that. Uh-huh. And uh, Cush got pinned down. And I don't necessarily want to say that was Powers on that particular one. But, you know. He gave, up a sa- he, he gave up one of the sacks on Stidham. Yeah. He, he did. That was that was a little later on. But, you know, it, there's just early on it doesn't look good. And, and, and it's funny because last year he graded out at an 86.5 as a pass protector. Right. So he had improved in that. And, and now I'm wondering if that was a scheme thing mm-hmm. from where he was coming from. Yes. Yes. And, and I think less it, of a, a physical. Yeah. Yeah. His, his individual ability. Well, I just think it's a it's a good sign maybe moving forward, because in Baltimore, we know they like to rush the football and they have an efficient running game. And if you constantly have the defense selling out for the run, maybe you do end up a better pass blocker. Right. Because probably your quarterback is not taking so long to make his reads, because in that scenario, ideally, you'd have the front seven sucked up playing for the run. So maybe that's where he's most effective is the play action game. Although the early returns haven't been good and he's got to be better. I just I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, Cam Fleming, I thought, looked fine last night. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry has not been as much of a liability as he's been in the past. I don't know if he's been excellent, but he's done enough to the point where I'm going to firmly go out on a limb and say there is no uh, competition at center. We talked about heading into the season, at least some did on this station. I don't know that I ever really subscribed to that line of thinking, that there was actually a legitimate competition at center, but Kyle Fuller is definitely not going to take that from Cushenberry. Yeah, Cushion, you know, they've got some communication things to work out, and, and that takes time, and so I can have some grace for that. But Cushenberry has been he, – he's been solid, right? Has he, is he market improvement? I, I don't know. I would go as far as to say that, but they, they've got some things to work out across the front, and, and Powers – you know, uh, of those two, he is the bigger concern for me. How about Quinn Miners? You concerned there? Uh, I, no, because I think you know what you're getting there, right? You're you're going to get a scrappy guy. You're going to get he, he's super tough, 
super tough. Okay. Uh, and, and I don't think you expect him to be Ben Powers, right? No, I don't think you expect him to be Ben Powers, but is this the ceiling for Quinn Myers? Like, is this where we're at? Yeah, I, I think it is. I, the problem is, is that we ask these questions, but you say, what is the alternative, right? What is the next best thing, right? Or, or, or who are you saying is going to be better than him? And I don't know that that person is on the roster. So, you know, what is your plan if you choose to go in another direction? What is the other direction? Man, we spoke at length this offseason about this projects to be the Broncos' best offensive line in a very long time. And I'm just telling you right now, I have my concerns about whether or not that's going to come to fruition when you think about the fact that when McGlinchey eventually comes back, he only practiced for a few days, when he eventually comes back for that sprained knee, probably not going to be 100% on the knee, first of all because he'll just have to be ready for week one. Second of all, you get Max Crosby in week one, and then you get the commander's front with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen and Chase Young in week two. This Broncos offensive line has to make strides here in the next couple of weeks in practice. And this week's joint practices with the L.A. Rams, you want to talk about a great test? Going up against Aaron Donald every day, that'll put some hair on your chest for sure. (laughs) Um, Coming up on the other side, I want to get into the kicking competition because Brett Maher is – Flying solo in that regard, and he was spotless last night. But do you actually feel better about it? Do the Broncos still need to be looking for another kicker? Is all that stuff still in, his, in the back of his mind? We'll, dis- we'll discuss next. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 Fan presents Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. Smith and Kyle Reese in with you on this Sunday morning as always. Thanks for tuning in and hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Always love seeing notes from listeners. Some nice notes here on the text line. 303-713-1043 on the Ramoslaw.com text line. We want to know your thoughts on the game, questions you may have moving forward, and join in on the conversation. One of the biggest questions that you and I both had Heading into last night, Kyle, Brett Maher. I don't know if you heard the exchange between Sean Payton and a reporter last night. Somebody said, somebody said, what did you think about Brett Mayhar? Uh-oh. And Sean Payton just chuckled at him and said, Mayhar? Mayhar? And the guy said, well, how do you say it? And he goes, no, 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 Mayhar was good. Mayhar yeah, was good. We'll roll with that. Yeah, well, <laughs> Mayhar was good. Sean Payton was in an in interesting mood. But Brett Maher... Two for two, right? Two for two. Didn't miss an extra point. Do you feel better about him? Better is... I don't know, man. I, I, don't, think, I don't think better is the word. Um, but obviously he came in. It wasn't a gimme. The first one, it was 47-yarder. That was after... I think the, it was 48. I think it ended up was, being 48. 48 officially? Yeah. Okay. What's a yard between friends? There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, listen. Okay, he checked the boxes last night. And you would love for this to not be a story. Right. Of he course, was he was ideally. We didn't. We don't have any nothing to see here. We don't have any conversation. But even still, I think you're still going to have a conversation going into next week. And even if he manages to stay on this team week one against Las Vegas, you're going. It's not like that's going to be a box that you've checked going into that game. So it's it's a tough situation. And I always go back to it, man. You didn't have to be in it. 
you didn't have to, but but you are. So here we are. As Mike Kliss mentioned to DMAC and I on Friday, it's pretty clear that Sean Payton wants Brett Maher to win this job, right? He has previous experience with Maher, worked with Maher in New Orleans. If it were up to Sean Payton and he could have his druthers, Brett Maher would work out. I just question in the back of my mind when those issues pop up again. And maybe that's maybe that's wrong. I'll, I'll tell you what, playing kicker, I don't envy. You got one job, man, and you are judged. You, you can be judged on your worst day, right? That can be the end of your career, your worst day at the office. So, look, I, I, I don't, as you mentioned, envy the position, but at the very same time, this is a situation that they chose to create. So here we are. He passed the test this week. Keep doing it. Unfortunately, it's going to take a long time for him to earn the trust and the benefit of the doubt from at least most NFL fans, but specifically Broncos fans. It was not a great first impression. If he goes on to be one of the most prolific Bronco kickers ever, Mm -hmm. he's never going to live down the performance in the playoffs last year. They're going to say he's one of the greatest kickers in Bronco history, and he rebounded from... That'd be, that'd be, he'd have to be pretty damn good for a very long time. I I understand that, (laughs) but I'm just saying that is always going to be one of the benchmarks in his career. Unfortunately, it's a black eye. Uh, The other special teams note I wanted to bring up, Riley Dixon, who the Broncos brought back. They drafted him right. They brought him back this year to punt against Arizona last week. He was all right. He had a 31-yard punt his first, and then he got better throughout the game. But last night against San Francisco, man, he brought out the howitzer. There was one punt where the TV camera just couldn't track the ball. It was like a 70-yard kick. I think he averaged 60 last night in four punts. So kudos to Riley. He absolutely passed the test. I I had heard that they wanted to, quote-unquote, punt better this week. Well, mission accomplished, and I think we can move on. 62-yarder on one. Now the problem is he outkicked his coverage on on, on one of the punts. He he did. And, uh, you know, you've got to find personnel now that can match that type of leg power in terms of speeding down there and covering that thing up. And, and that's where you start to make your mark on some of those guys that are on French players. So, you know, are you going to be able to hustle down and cover a Dixon kick? Because if that's going to be the norm, which we would invite, it's a little different. Yeah, and I, I think that as far as consistency goes, they're going to be in a better spot than they were last year with Corliss Waitman. Just by nature, the fact that I think you've got a bigger leg and I think just more experience. It's nothing against Corliss. I think he did a, you know, admirable job last year, but good steps there. And like you mentioned, he outkicked his coverage. Wouldn't we all love to do that every once in a while? <laughs> um, Spicy Sean. What did you think about Spicy Sean? I'll tell you what. People will say, look at how demonstrative he is. I'm, g- I'm here to tell you, this man loves to coach, he is extremely passionate. And the fact that he's been so fired up these first two preseason games, I think it just—you can just tell that he's thrilled that he's back in the NFL. Yeah, it's a—it's a weird addiction coaching is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to be a little bit of a sick puppy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why you look at me when you say that? Well, I get it. The shoe fits, Cinderella. Yeah, and look, there's two of them because Vance Joseph was getting after it too, and he chews the hell out of that gum on the sideline. Oh, no, he does. I, oh my, yeah, right into a fine powder. Yeah, no doubt. But yeah, I, listen, I, I'd rather have a coach that you got to turn down I, than than one you got to turn up. Sean out there last night coaching in the Jordan Elevens. Those those are nice. Those are one of my favorite shoes. Did you know? You know. Deshaun Payton's the only coach with a Jordan deal, right? I heard that mentioned during the broadcast last night. 
And, uh, you know, I wonder how much advice he's taking from players in terms of what Jordan's to wear, or is he really dialed, dialed into the Jordan culture like that? Not exactly sure, but at least he's a little swaggy out there. He's got, he could, Sean Payton is probably one of the few coaches in the NFL that could pull off the velour tracksuit with the Jordans while he was nah. coaching. He, he earned some cool points for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm with it. Some cool points. He was also getting all over the refs last night. I mean, he was all over them from opening kickoff. Man, past the final horn. Sean Payton was running out in the field, and he wasn't looking for Kyle Shanahan at the end of the game. He was looking for the ref to try and talk to him some more. And then in the post game, he took some shots saying, look, uh, things are moving pretty fast for them out there. <laughs> he said he's his preseason for the refs, too. You think he should have got the one second at the end of the half? That's a fascinating play. Jalen Virgil on a nine route. You have a, you have that cut? Why don't you go ahead and roll it? I don't enjoy when we can't get a, a simple end of half situation correctly officiating. So no, I don't. I like being friendly with those guys. But man, then we get a substitution. We're trying to. If you sub on offense, the defense has a chance to make a substitution. There's a sub that takes place and on the touchdown pass at the end of the game, and they're right at the line of scrimmage. You know, so it's preseason for the officials as well as it is for us. So focused on us, really. There's there's a number of things mechanically I didn't like that we'll clean up. But, yeah. All right, so what they were going for there at the end of the game. I thought he did a great job defensively. They bought themselves a two-minute drill. He used his three timeouts while they were on defense at the end of the first half. He buys himself about a minute and a half, and, man, it damn near paid off for him. A big completion of Jalen Virgil, nine route, makes the catch, outstanding move in the open field, gets down to the one. I don't know if he got in, but the ref ruled him down at the one, and the Broncos hurried up, tried to spike the ball. I'll tell you, no timeouts in that situation. I want the call coming in, QB sneak. I would much rather try and just snap it, sneak it. If I'm at the one, then I would rather spike it. Just my opinion there, but maybe that's a hindsight is twenty twenty type of decision, at least in the preseason. I just thought it was a little un... I love the fact that he was fighting with the officials and he was fighting for his guys, and I'm sure that they appreciated that too. I just think in the preseason, what do you expect? Yeah, well, and, and I played that back this morning, and I, I was wondering the same thing. Did Jalen Virgil, Virgil get in? He didn't. Uh, so it ended up being a pretty good call. Um, the problem was there were 16 seconds left. Right, and I I was wondering to myself, were the Broncos at sixty seconds left when when he 16, got tackled sixteen at the end of the play. So when he right? got tackled, well, so when he's popping up, he's hobbling. Right, there's right around sixteen seconds left. I'm worried that the Broncos were admiring their work a little bit. Right, are we sprinting down the field to get to that uh, two yard line or whatever it was so we can get the ball down? Um, and so that might be, again, I don't have the all 22, so I can't tell. Yeah, maybe they yeah. thought they had scored and, and it just wasn't, it didn't snap it, quick it, enough for it, them. It just, it just one, one of those things that didn't register. And then Stidham has to come and direct the back, which I believe was Jones at the time, so he can make a legal formation and get him on the line of scrimmage right. because Virgil was over there being assisted by the other receivers. So it was just a wonky situation. I think they handled it as best as they could. Uh, you probably would have seen just a, wanted to see just a little bit more hustle, though. Yeah, probably, and that's why you're glad you get it out of the way in the preseason. Yeah, there you that's go. why it's wonderful to actually take the preseason and use it and get the juice out of this orange, right? Unlike what they did last year, and you, they punted on preparation, kind of sending the message to the team, look, guys, you know, it's the preseason.
just get out there. Second and third teamers, we expect a lot out of you. That's where Hackett was coming from. This year, Sean Payton, no, 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 you got to have these details correct. And, yes, we'll talk about the end-of-the-game scenario here coming up. We'll get to game notes a little bit later. But, yeah, that the end of that first half, I liked what he did in buying the two-minute drill with the timeout. He was ripping strikes, ripping stripes, you know, just absolutely ripping the officials. But here's the other thing. When did we see Nathaniel Hackett do any of that or show any emotion last year? Yeah, super, super passive approach, right? Oh, and, when did he ever work an official? And, and, and that's the thing that you can tell with Sean Payton. He's dialed into everything that is going on. I'd be really interested to hear the headset. What type of information is being fired? A lot of F-bombs on that headset last imagine. night. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. But but he's dialed in. He, he yeah. knows everything that's going on on the field. Yeah, that second half, 12 men on the field penalty when they had a fourth and one, and then they still went for it on fourth and six. I thought that was a questionable decision. But the other thing I noticed that Hackett would have never done is what Peyton did in that moment where he got on the headset, and, man, he was red as a cherry, ripping into his coaching staff. I love it because you keep – players on their toes, you keep coaches on their toes, and maybe that was something that Hackett had a hard time doing with his buddies. It's kind of hard to rip your college best friend in Ejiro Ivero. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're drinking partners. Right, yeah, exactly. It, it, listen, but, but but look at it. it, it it's a procedural error. Right. Right? Yeah. It's one of those things that he was critical of just a few weeks ago. Sure. And right? he acknowledged it last night after the game. He said, look, that's on us. We'll get that figured out. And it was clearly on them if you could see his demeanor last night on the sideline. Tons more to get into. We're going to hit the pause button on the Broncos because it is time for everybody's favorite game. Guess who popped up in Boulder this week? It's Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. I was pleased with my heart tonight.